0: Hi everybody, welcome to this week's edition of a Trophy Light Podcast. I'm your host, Bob Rathbun, coming to you from Atlanta, and this week we'll be getting A preview of the up-and-coming women's college basketball season from Doug Feinberg of the Associated Press. That coming up after our Jersey Mike's news and notes. And just a couple of things to touch on before we get to Doug. Baylor freshman guard Langston Love, unfortunately, tore his ACL on Sunday in a scrimmage against Texas A&M. Six-foot-five first-year player, a key part of the Bears perimeter attack, lost for the season. Tough break for Scott Drew and company as Baylor gets set to open on November the 12th. And head coach Mick Cronin of UCLA is already 1-0 this season, despite the fact the Bruins don't open until November the 9th. You see that Coach Cronin is a co-owner of a three-year-old filly named So Very Smart, and that horse won at Santa Anita on Friday. So, coaches one and 0 Congratulations, Mick. We'll get the women's preview from Doug Feinberg of the AP. That's coming up right after this from Jersey Mike's. Jersey Mike's would like to dedicate the next three seconds to our new grilled portabella mushroom and Swiss sub. Trust us, it tastes good too, because fresh ingredients make a sub above. Well, it is a real treat this week to catch up with the AP's National Women's Basketball writer, Doug Feinberg, calling in from New York. And Doug, thank you so much for doing this. I have been a longtime admirer, and uh, read all of your work, of course, all all year long when anything happens in the women's game. So thanks for joining us. Bob, my pleasure. It's always great to chat with one of the best in the business. Well, thank you for saying that. Um, you know, you're a rare bird in our business. You came out of Columbia and went right to work for the AP, and you are still working for the AP. Wow, what a run. Yeah, you know, it, it's funny. I mean, I started 26
1: years ago now. Gosh, it feels like yesterday. Um, I was fortunate enough that one of my really good friends was working at the AP and said, hey, they're looking for people, why don't you throw your resume in? I was like, all right, sure, why not? Threw my resume in. My boss goes, you know what? You don't think like you'd fit in well here. Just know you're working nights and weekends. Your social life's out the door. And uh, welcome to the Associated Press. So that's 26 years ago. I started covering women's hoops probably about 15, 16 years ago and fell in love with it. I've been doing it ever since.
0: And that was going to be my next question. When did you jump over to the women, and what were you covering uh, prior to that? So I, I
1: first really started covering the women in 2007.
0: Um, a side note is actually I've been coaching
1: high school girls basketball for about 28 years now. So I always loved the game. I always loved loved women's basketball, girls' basketball. And I was like, you know what? This is, this is fun. There's so many great stories to tell that aren't told. And let me see if I can help do that. Is what I told my boss. I said 2007. Um, before that, I was just a general desk guy. I was helping out here and there wherever they needed. Covered some NBA stuff. Covered a couple men's games and college ranks. But really, like I, I just fell in love with the women's game at, at an early age coaching, and it just stuck with me. Like, hey, I can do something here. I think to help grow it
0: um, at the national level for college and the pros. And you have seen the game explode in these recent years with incredible TV coverage compared, of course, to what it used to be, uh, the crowds, the Final Fours, etc. It must uh, make your heart sing to see how far the game has come.
1: Oh, it's been tremendous. I mean, just in the last few years, seeing the college game get sold out of the Final Fours, in the, in the last, I think it was probably 2016, 2017, the first time I remember it, like, wow, this is a tough ticket to get. Um, and then just seeing – at the pro level i mean the, the last few years that what the WNBA has done to grow at not just from the fan base but just from getting new sponsors and just the the play on the court the the money that the players are getting off the court now the salaries it just it, everything's going in the right direction it, it's it takes time i mean every commissioner i've talked to a president of the WNBA has always been like you know it, we're only 25 years in we're 23 years in the the nba been around for 75 years it takes time and it sounds like that the cop-out answer but it's really a true one i mean it's really been growing it's been great i think the expansion is around the corner for the WNBA to get some more teams in there but i think it's one of these things that's been fun to watch and and fun to see the the growth at both the college level and the pro level
0: and for candace parker in chicago what a storybook ending uh to finish sixth in the regular season and win the championship uh an amazing amazing story
1: yeah i mean i was trying to think if there's anything that compares to that in, in sports i mean Obviously, LeBron went home to, to win a title in Cleveland, but he started there, left, and came back. So it, it's not the exact same. I mean, Candace played, obviously, her, her entire career in L.A., had a lot of success there, and said, listen, I want to finish my career at home, and then did it and, and won a title, and, and just what a great thing for the city, for the franchise, which has been Michael Alter, one of the owners, has put so much money into that franchise, and they've made the finals before but never won and just to sort of energize that fan base, energize that city to say, hey, we've got a really good women's basketball team here. I think that's great for now and the future. No doubt.
0: Let's talk about the upcoming season. It's right around the corner. Um, of course, uh, Paige Beckers was an amazing winner for us uh, as a freshman, mind-boggling, you know, with uh, with what she did. I remember we, were, we the Hawks, we were in Minnesota, uh, and she came to the game. And apparently she and Troy Young are quite friendly. And uh, she was there to, to come watch Trey play. And that's the first time I had met Paige. And to see what she did last year, I mean, she, it's not unreasonable to think, Doug, that she might be a four-time Naismith winner when it's all said and done. Yeah, she is something
1: special, Bob. I mean, just the pressure on any kid who goes to UConn who has hype around her just magnifies it by a 1,000%. And she lived up to the hype. I mean, coming in, she was the best high school player she had the swagger. Everyone says she's a combination of Diane Taurasi and Sue Bird. Taurasi's swagger and, and Bird's just calmness on the court. And I was like, who could possibly live up to that? And she's not at the level of the two goats yet, obviously, but she did everything she could last year to make that team uh, one of the best in the country. And sure, they lost in the Final Four again. And There's the drought that UConn's going through for national championships that I find funny when they haven't won anything in five years but, like, most teams haven't won any national championships in their entire existence. Um, but she, she is just fun. I mean, she she has the ability to take games over from the guard spot, which is something that I think you see, like, six foot eight players take games over inside, but for a guard to dominate the way she did last year. I remember the game, I think, South Carolina up at Connecticut when she scored, I think, the final 13 points of regulation in overtime, something of that nature to basically – stamp herself on the national stage so to speak and, and just what a what a phenomenal player and just again she's also very humble she's not like going out there like look at me look at me look at me she if you met her on the street you would have no idea she's the best college basketball player in the country right now on the women's side
0: it's interesting you mentioned about her character and that humble attitude And i agree with you 100 percent being around her uh as we as we did last year um I was watching an interview with Gino Ariema, her coach, and he was asked, I think about NIL and how much money an athlete like Paige could make. And Gino's comment was she doesn't care. All she wants to do is play basketball. And I think it kind of speaks to the way she approaches the game and her life. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, it's funny, I saw
1: him last week at the Big East Media Day at the Garden. Which, How special is that? You can go to the Garden to talk to the best college coaches and in in some of the best coaches in the country in the Big East. And he was saying, listen, th- this could be a problem for a lot of people. I mean, NIL is something new. A chance for these kids to finally make some money on their name and such, which is long overdue. And this kid doesn't really care about it. She, she hired people to do it for her. She's like, listen, you guys take care of this when you have a deal you want me to talk about or sign off on, let me know. But I'm not going to spend my life worrying about how I can make money off this. That's your job to her agents that way. She just wants to get better. She wants this team to win. And, and that's what I think is important to her. And he's funny. He's like, you know what? You can focus on all the NIL stuff from, I don't know, April through September, and then focus on basketball. And he's like, I'm not worried about her. She's only, always focused on
0: basketball. And, you know, what's interesting, too, Doug, about all that is that uh, the differences between the men's game and the women's game when it comes to this stuff, you know you still have the the camaraderie the uh, the we're in it as a team first mentality I think in the women's game uh, that uh, their counterparts on the other side could uh, use a, a dose of i I have always found these girls to be so concerned about each other uh, in a in a way that's unique I think to women's basketball and to women's sports in that regard. Do you find it that? Yeah, I mean, you know what's nice, Bob, about women's basketball? It's one of the things that drew me to it. These players, for the most part, stay for four years
1: in college. Although now I guess they get five because the extra year from from the coronavirus. And they want to see their teams do well. Whereas on the guy side, it's let me come for one year, make an name for myself, and then go to the NBA. And I, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, if you're getting paid five million dollars, ten million dollars to go play basketball, but that's fine. But the women aren't getting that kind of money yet. And they really are team-centric. They want to make their team the best it can be. And some of the NIL stuff I've heard about is some of the kids are making deals with, like, hey, take care of my teammates also. Like, I think one of the UConn players has a deal with Chipotle, and it's like, all right, well, let's make sure the entire team gets food for the day, so to speak. So they, they genuinely, I think, as you, as you put it well, care about each other, care about the team success. And I'm not saying that there are no guys out there that they're, they're just for themselves. I mean, they want their teams to win to be successful, they won national championships. But it seems more on the women's side because they stick around for so long. There's more of a bond to them that, hey, this is my a teammate for three years, for four
0: years. Let's do something special here. Doug, you mentioned the pandemic. Let me get your take on your experience, what it was like covering it, writing about it, talking to coaches and players through what had to be one of the most trying years in, in the history of athletics and certainly one in the history of our nation.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was something. Uh, there's a lot of, lot to sort of um, unlock here with that. Let, let me look at the positive and the negative here. Obviously, there's, there's so much negative people have talked about, which is the, the awfulness of this pandemic that just doesn't seem like it wants to end. But the good side of it to me was it actually helped women's basketball grow. Because everyone, everyone's using Zoom now. It's the way people communicated for the last year, doing meetings and, and such. It helped women's basketball grow because... Listen, I don't make it to Atlanta as much as I should. I don't make it out to Iowa. I don't make it out to California to cover games. But I can zoom in and jump in on any post-game press conference in the WNBA and in college. So that helped me and other national writers and just regular media cover more than we normally would. So that, to me, was a huge plus. What the coach's standpoint, uh, a coach told me the other day, I said, at the Big East Media Day, last year we were worried about, are we going to to practice the next day because of this pandemic? or Is something going to happen that's going, hey, you know what, we're shut down we can't practice the next two weeks. We can't play the four games we have in the next 14 days. That fear is gone a little bit now because most people are vaccinated and that their chances, hey, we're going to be fine for this season. There may be a blip here or there, someone's out with, with uh, COVID complications, but that puts the team out maybe for a day and not for two weeks. And that's what I think a lot of the coaches said, hey, we're back to sort of planning for practice in a season like normal as opposed to are we going to see the next day as far as actually having a season going?
0: Doug, let's touch on a couple of the big stories. I want to get your take. I'll throw one out at you because she's a dear friend, obviously, and uh, wanted to get your take on this being one of the big stories coming into the season, and that's Nikki Collin jumping out of the pros, coaching the Atlanta Dream, and taking over at Baylor. Your thoughts on that and other big stories. So, Bob, it's funny. I mean, most times when jobs open up, at the college ranks or the pro ranks,
1: you don't get a good team. Your role is usually kind of rebuilding. And Nikki was fortunate enough to jump into Baylor, which is one of the top 10 teams in the country, um, has a great group led by Melissa Smith, who is an All-American. Last year, probably will be again this year. So by Kim Mulkey moving on from Baylor to LSU to go home, another homecoming story for uh, in the college ranks or in, in the women's basketball ranks, it opened up the spot. And I think Nikki is a, fa- a fantastic coach. And she's going to do a wonderful job at Baylor. As I said she inherited a pretty good team, so she's not starting from scratch. Or hey, we were four and twenty last year. Let me have to rebuild this program. I mean, it's she's stepping into a big shadow because Kim Mulkey had so much success there. But Nikki's going to leave a good stamp on it, and she's not going to try to reinvent the wheel right away. She's going to try to basically build up what they have there and have a, I think, a really successful season. And then I think down the road she'll find her kids, find her. With playing her style, that was I think successful in Atlanta at times. I think she'll have a really good career at Baylor.
0: At the top of the AP poll preseason, you've it's sort of round up the usual suspects, but still it's South Carolina, UConn, Stanford, Maryland, NC State. What struck me about that is you've got five teams from five different conferences. The power is spread out in the college game, and maybe in a in an age where you know there's been so much parity that these, this group of elite teams, and, the, and 6 through 10 is pretty good too, but uh, to see this wealth spread out, where players go, uh, is really quite interesting, and I find it very exciting.
1: Yeah, and you know what? I think you could probably put those names in a hat, at least the top three, South Carolina, UConn, and Stanford, for now, and pick out anyone, and either any of those can be number one. I mean, Stanford's defending champions. They have almost their entire team back. They're really good. They could be number one. South Carolina has most of their team back. They have one of the best players in the country, and we have Boston and a great coach. The Olympic coach, Don Staley, they can be number one. And UConn has going back, plus they added uh, A.V. Fudd, who's one of the best players for the freshman this year. So any of those three are really good, and you make a great point. It's spread out. It's not one conference dominating. And the next group behind them, the Iowas, the Indianas, the Baylors, the Michigans, those teams are really good too. So you're right. I think parity is there. I mean, listen, we had Arizona jump into the national championship game last year. They've never been that far before. I don't think anyone would have picked them to make the Final Four at the start of the season last year. So it, it's sort of spreading out. It's growing. The, the, the chance of some of these teams, it's not just going to be the top three or four that are going to win national championships down the road. I think there's more and more teams that are getting better. The talent's spreading out. The coaches are getting better that we could see a chance for more teams to have a chance to win a national championship. I think last year when we had the the entire tournament down in San Antonio, I thought realistically there were probably 10 or 12 teams that could win a national championship. Arizona wasn't one of them. And sure enough, they made the finals.
0: It was a unique experience, to say the least. Uh, What were your takeaways from having the entire tournament in San Antonio? You know,
1: it's funny. I said this to a few people down there. I think it's worth giving it a shot. In normal times, you could have fans there if you have all 64 teams i know logistically this could be a huge problem as far as having enough hotel rooms and from that standpoint but if you can have all 64 teams they their fans or i guess 68 now if they expand the tournament to the 68 they're talking about in one city you make that a mecca of women's basketball i know your good friend deb antonelli has been talking about this for years having 16 teams go to vegas i'm taking a step further and putting all 64 in one city I think it would be great. I mean, just walking around, and I couldn't see anybody because the teams weren't allowed to go outside of their hotels for COVID protocols, but it was just – it felt big. It felt, wow, every team's in the same city for, for one weekend the first time and then for, as we got rid of teams, less and less were there. But it was neat. And I was like, wow, if, you know, if I'm a fan of the game, maybe I'm a fan of, of Baylor. And I'll go to the Baylor game. But you know what? I'm in the city. Let me go watch Michigan play. Let me go watch UConn play. I've never seen them play before. And I think that's something that really cool. And I think it's something to give a shot to. I mean, what's, what's the worst that happens? You try it, it doesn't work out, try something else the next year.
0: That's a great idea. That that really is a great idea. And uh, and you're right, Deb and I have talked about uh, her idea to go to Vegas, which I thought, also think is a good one. But uh, you may be onto something there, Doug. Uh, we may uh, we may have to come back and get you to sign off on the patent rights uh, when, they, when they come up with that.
1: I mean, the other thing Bob would is like, this idea that I know that the, the gender equity, obviously, is a huge, huge part of the story last year at the Final Four. I mean, it was the men's tournament, the women's tournament. People were comparing, obviously, what the men were given, what the women were given. That was such a rarity. I mean, I'm not saying there was not problems because there definitely were. But for the most part, as you know, the, the women's first two rounds played on campus sites. So, like, weight rooms aren't a problem. And people are like, oh, why, why don't they play neutral? The fans aren't there to support it. I've been to men's tournament's first two rounds. Those aren't sold out. So mm-hmm. to expect women to go neutral, and sell out those arenas and make money on it is not going to be something that's, I think, realistic right now. Right. But I think, they're, they're, I mean, they're talking about putting the, the men's and women's Final Fours together, I think, in 2027 might be the earliest they can do it, unless they move some things around. That's enough. Give it a chance. Give it a shot. What's the worst that happens? It doesn't work out. But, again, it's a mecca. So you have the media people who cover, I mean, there's, it's probably night and day, the amount of media that cover the men's Final Four and the women's Final Four. If they're there in the same city, Hey, you know what? Friday night I'll go to the women's semifinals. Saturday I'll go to the men. Sunday I'll go to the women's championship game. You get more attention. Same thing with fans. If that ticket becomes harder to get, hey, there's 25,000 people in the city who want to go to a basketball game. There's only 18,000 seats. We both know that value of that seat is more uh, inflationary and it, it actually has more, that ticket's worth more. So give it a shot. You have nothing to lose by trying these things.
0: I will raise the hand for Atlanta, Georgia. I think it would be fabulous down here. That, that's a great city.
1: That's a, that's
0: a great choice. Well, Doug, I know we're at the starting line. We can't wait uh, for the year to begin. And thank you so much. We have really enjoyed this chat and the, all the insights. We'll be uh, keeping tabs with you all year as we uh, watch these games unfold. So, uh, to all of our fans, make sure you, you follow Doug on Twitter, and, of course, you, you read him in every paper and every online uh, service that takes the AP. So um, he's no stranger, and we really do appreciate you coming on and being with us. Well, my pleasure. Have a great start to your season. That's it for this week. Game's right around the corner. See you next week on a Trophy Life podcast. Please leave a rating and a review. Helps us get the word out to college basketball fans everywhere. Until then, Bob Rathman from all of us in Atlanta saying so long.